Sportsgasmic is back. Uh, we've got the soccer edition of the pod right now. Shay on the line Ew. again. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, you ain't even waiting for my introduction. <laughs> no. Nope. I come in before the introduction. That's my uh, that's my signature call. Yeah, there we go. Hey, and I am I'm Dave. I said in the last pod before this one, which was our NFL college one, etc., that I realized I don't introduce myself anymore, which we just recorded that one literally before this one. So I'm still getting used to it. But hey, I'm Dave. My name is not Sportsgasmic. It is Dave. <laughs> uh, in the last one, we decided your name is Sportsgasmic. Oh, that's right. Have... Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole thing about how the Australian legal system works as far as name changes go that you have to listen to the other pod to get. But yeah. Yeah. My We're name. not going to waste your time with that again. Yeah. We're not going to do it. <laughs> you want to know what we talked about? Listen to the other one. Like and subscribe. Yeah. It's that easy. This is, this is fucking advertising at its best. Jesus. Listen to all of it. I'm waking up early. He's staying up late. Sometimes we do it the other way. <laughs> what I'm saying is we're pouring our souls into this. <laughs> we are. I'm not even drinking. It's not fair, but. I am most definitely drinking. Um, yeah, your, your, your glass is a very clear liquid of water and I've got a, a West Coast IPA, so. I have Connecticut-based water. <laughs> Let me give you a rundown of it. <sighs> Minerally. Pretty <laughs> gross. Yeah, no, this one's a... Uh... Hoppy. Hoppy? Hoppy. Which kind of ties into Hoppy? which kind of ties into our theme of the, the the legal the legal situation as far as name changes go. But <laughs> yes. Anyway, that um, has nothing. I should not be drinking the water in Connecticut. I know this has nothing to do with our podcast, but I live in a hundred hundred year old mill, so the piping probably I don't know. It probably has cholera in it or something. I, <laughs> yeah, it's one I thing, don't know. It's one thing I always think about when you're drinking tap water in different places and you get a funny taste. I'm like, what the fuck do these pipes look like? We never like it. Well, they out, say yeah, yeah. They say in New York, like that's why the bagels are so good is because they use New York water mm-hmm. and it like is like impervious to disease because they've been using the same pipes for so long like <laughs> the bacteria in it actually like kills like all the good stuff. and it's just like it has this really unique flavor so so like it's all the flavoring from the pipes is part of your bagel well it's like they like to make bagels you boil boil the water yeah so yeah. it kind of like so we need like but so i don't know about flavor but it's just kind of like I don't know. Who, who knows if they are actually making sense, but it's like New York pizza <laughs> in the dough mm. and New York bagels. They say that's the difference in it is the water. That just sounds like something New Yorkers say. Yeah, but people, <laughs> you know, hayseeds like me. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like for or against it. I loved it. I love, I've visited New York once and loved it. So, and fucking loved the pizza and had bagels. It was all pretty good. So they're probably right. But, it also sounds like the kind of thing you say when you're from a city and you're proud of it. It's like, it's the fucking water. It's the fucking water. It's the water. <laughs> yeah. Terrible Something accent. Something in the water. Terrible accent for me, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, let me do the accents. I'll, <laughs> you already have an accent. <laughs> yeah. Some people say I didn't even do an Australian accent right. I'm like, I'm fucking Australian. Like, fuck off. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as we said at the start before we got derailed by water and... Um, Whatever else, uh, soccer. It's pod. very gross. Yeah, <laughs> you've got David face drinking water. It tastes like a glass of dirt, like I'm in the dust bowl. But oh. okay, whatever. 
Um, well, we're not just here to talk about water. <laughs> well, speaking of dust, dust bowls, Liverpool played in Napoli Stadium last night. Which, if you look at that pitch, it's. Uh, I mean, it's not, I didn't see it. <laughs> it's not. It's not great. Uh, so we're starting on Champions League. Obviously, Liverpool lost. Um, <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. To anyone listening to this pod, Liverpool lost. If you if you don't know, and you're listening to this pod, I wonder what you've done for the last day to somehow get to listening to this pod before you found out everything else. But thank you. We appreciate Proud you. Of you. We appreciate you being your news breaking source. But yeah, Liverpool lost two 0 to uh, Napoli in their opening game, which we did a preview pod the last couple of weeks ago. Oh, it was a pod that we, amongst other things, talked about the previews of the group stages, and I think I said Napoli was going to be a hard, a hardest opponent in this in this uh group yeah it's a weak group some would say yeah well napoli's actually quite you know when i looked at their squad compared to last year they've added like kula bali is probably the one of the best center backs in the world and they an- added costas manalas from who's been at roma for the last four or five years who was part of the, he was a major part of the team that got to a semi-final a couple of years ago uh they've added irving lozano from psv andrea's a big fan i'm a big fan Got his PSV jersey from seeing him there last year. Um, so they've, they've strengthened their squad. That was a tough out last year, and uh, they're playing at home in a crumbling stadium that had a terrible field that hadn't been watered in about a week and was potholy. And you know they 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 did what teams do. They, it's gamesmanship or whatever you want to call it. Shit houseery is what I called it on Twitter earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know Liverpool played like oh I watched they lost one nil there last year as well. And uh, and Liverpool played terribly. Liverpool played. Yeah, they've been a thorn in you guys' side. Yeah, uh, Liverpool played they better. They almost t- stopped you from getting out of the group stage last year. Yeah, yeah, and we were an Allison wonder save aside from. Well, you could you say a wonder save is actually just having a good keeper. Just a save. Yeah, having a good <laughs> keeper gets is in those positions. Uh, but you know, we played better today. I think we shaded the game. It was just a uh, um, contentious penalty, and then. Uh, a, just a, a goal that comes at the end of a game when you've been pushing all game and a bit. T- there's a lot of tired legs out there too, being that we played on the weekend and it's just what it is sure, in Europe yeah. sometimes. And especially a trip to a, a shitty a shitty field takes it out on your legs too. So I'm not. I'm actually pretty. I was after the game. I kind of was like, well, that penalty decision was a bit shit, and the result was a bit shit. But I wasn't too worried after it. I was like, that's the hardest on paper. Obviously, who knows what's going to happen throughout the group stage. And we'll talk about the other game in a sec, but I, I wasn't too worried. I was thinking that's a, that's the hardest game out of the way. We lost, unfortunately. We were, it looked for a long time like we were at least going to get a point because we were playing. We had some great chances. We had a better a, a number of good chances were more than Napoli's, but Napoli just got the breaks and it's football. Truly, and I do wonder how into it Liverpool were. Um, after, you know, winning the Champions League last year and obviously a hot start. I mean, they're very invested in winning the EPL this year mm. and not and rightfully so. And um, you guys have a big matchup this weekend, which we'll get to in the EPL. Um, so I could easily see them just kind of being like, whatever, we know we're going to get through the group anyway. Um, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't, I, don't think they, I don't think they go into it thinking that because I certainly know. Klopp the way he thinks with he even got a even got a whisper of that he actually had a quote in from a press conference and I don't even know what what uh, question led to it it's just a quote that he said that if if a player's out drinking doing drugs and having a great time after winning the Champions League I don't want him here <laughs> like he was basically saying I want players to 
That's wild. Yeah, he, he wants players to uh, to um, be invested in this season again. So, and the players certainly the, their Instagram and Twitters and whatever afterwards were certainly they were putting up the disappointed post that a player does. So I think they're all. Uh, I think that they've all got the mindset that they can go and win the Premier League and hopefully defend the Champions League title this year again because I think they know that, you know, what separates you from being... Well, I mean, obviously the side's pretty great and if they win the, win the Premier League this year, a year after winning the Champions League, they'll they'll set themselves apart as a, a pretty great side for a, a little generational period. But um, they'll certainly see the cup doubles are always something players love to have, uh, managers love to have. Then they're very valuable to teams' history and context of history. So, yeah, I think they went into the game. I think the idea was to. I think they certainly knew it was winnable, and by the way they played, they played quite well. They just misplaced them. It was just misplaced passes. The front third never got going. There was a two-on-one situation that just Mane overhit the pass to Salah, whereas if he'd placed it in the right spot, Salah scores. It was as simple as that. It was it was such a good two-on-one two-on-one break. It was just a pity that. And Marnie kind of slipped, and someone I saw someone on Twitter say, "Was that just the pitch? Like he just he kind of his foot got stuck in the ground, kind of shit." I mean, I players know. slip on the most pristine pitches yeah. as well, as part of the game. Yeah. So, um, so um, I think if you're gonna drop a match early in the season, um, the Champions League is probably the right competition to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, particularly in your toughest toughest match, you know, if you're dropping it, in, yeah. I would I would be worried if this was we dropped this result at Genk, but um, no no disrespect to them, but they're not Napoli. Like it's it's you know I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's just that's just simple home truths about the the competition we're facing. But um, you know two nil away at Napoli, they're, they're managed by a manager who's you know won multiple titles at AC Milan back when AC Milan mm. had one of the best teams in Europe. Um, he's obviously um, no slouch, Carlo Ancelotti. So. And their side is a very good side. So and they and they they pressed. Um, they actually, yeah. Whether they, I don't know who they played on the weekend and what happened there, but um, they certainly looked up for the match. And I, and it's they they celebrated like they'd won the Champions League. So it was it was obviously they they saw it as a big big match for them. And you know, good on them. Um, I mean, I it, they probably think the exact same way that Liverpool does it, that they can take care of business against those other two teams mm-hmm. and. I mean, if they can get a result against, you know, even a draw um, at Anfield, which is obviously extremely tough, ask Barcelona last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if they can just get a draw at Anfield, then they think they could probably win the group, which would, I, I think that's probably why they were celebrating so hard. Um, obviously, I doubt they win the group, but it's in play now after. Oh, no, it certainly tr- is. And um, we, we, we came second in that group last year after losing to the Napoli and went okay for us. And there was, there was a funny quote, Carlo and Gilotti and Klopp had a hug at the end and they were smiling to each other. And, and someone asked about someone asked about that moment and Ancelotti said, well, I just had to smile to him and say, well, you know, it's a, good things happen to you when you lose in Naples because like, you're going to win yeah. the Champions League, which I thought was odd because he's already discounting his own team with the comment, but I understood in the comment. I think it was just being, just being quite... Making making light of the situation, which I think he I think he literally would have said that to Klopp because Klopp's the kind of guy that you can have that kind of banter with after a match. Um, I think the two Klopp Klopp generally has mutual respect for managers unless 
unless they haven't earned it. And Ancelotti certainly earned it. And I think they just oh, absolutely shook hands, yeah. had a smile and a laugh, and said, you know, that was it was a pretty good. It was an entertaining match. It was a bit scrappy at times. Um, certainly Liverpool misplaced a few passes, and as I said, that cost them, cost them in the end because they misplaced passes at crucial times. It could have led to some easy opportunities to score, but um, yeah, I mean. Uh the first thing I heard from you and saw on Twitter was VAR um, was once again in, in a topic. So I know you're not happy about it. Um, it did seem like a light penalty, which did and ultimately end up swaying. I know they won by two, uh, Napoli won by two, but yeah. Um, oh, for fuck's sake, via God damn it. <laughs> it was called a penalty on the field. Correct. Yeah, it was called a penalty on the field. So this is where it, it gets into the context, the nuance of why VAR is there. And so he calls he calls the penalty, and when you slow it down, so this is the whole thing. People say you should either, if you're going to have VAR, you should watch it in real time, whatever. But then sometimes with penalty decisions, you actually need to see it slowed down to see why. I can understand why he called it on the field in in naked motion. At the end of a yeah. game in a loud stadium, like I'm not actually that disappointed in the referee. Like you know, depending on what angle he had, I didn't actually see it. The slow motion shows that, like, because Robertson does, he Robertson does the thing that you say to defenders: don't give them the opportunity to get yeah. the penalty. So he kicks his foot out, but then he brings it back, and he doesn't actually make contact with his foot. And then you see uh, Callahan, uh he plants his foot and he starts kind of falling forward into Robertson and then he makes that the first contact he has is as he's falling forward so mm-hmm. in that context it's a dive it looks bad on, on in slow-mo for sure I haven't even seen it yeah and so up, this but. is why this is why like through the years I've seen these given plenty of times when you watch it's in slow-mo you go oh shit that was a dive but the referee would have seen it in fast motion you accept it when you've got VAR as an option I can't accept it because who who looks at that and says that's a penalty? I, that's what that's what annoys yeah. me is that the VAR hasn't. It, and the, I, from what I don't even know, there seems to be different different implement implementations of VAR because in the World Cup last year they were asking every time there was even this, this slight chance, VAR was calling to the referee and saying, "Come and have a look at the monitor," and the referee would stop the match and go have a look at his monitor. That one was at least referee go and have a look at your monitor. And then after that, if the referee looks at it and says, no, it's still a penalty, then you can blame the referee. But then it's an, I don't actually blame the referee in this. It's an, I blame whoever the faceless man, faceless man or woman is in the VAR room that says, no, you don't even have anything to look at. Move, move on, move on. Like, I can't understand how that is. This is why VAR was brought in, was to stop penalty decisions being contentious. And I know there's still going to be some that will be, but this one seemed a little bit more... It was like that Harry Kane dive a couple of weeks ago where we said we he kind of like leaned into the contact. Oh, yeah. Kelly Hon does a does a similar thing and and they still leave it be a penalty and particularly after the weekend, I don't know if I did you see the Joel Matip headlock against Newcastle? I did not. Well, I heard about it. I just saw a tweet about it, but they didn't have a video link. Yeah, it's actually quite. I, I was trying to find a little video earlier to send you because um, I was going to bring this up, but basically Matip. It's a it's a Liverpool free kick or corner. I can't remember which, which. It's a set piece for us in our box. Matip is there's Matip is man on man with the defender. There's no one within a couple of yards of them. They're actually quite alone in their little space of whatever zone they've set up. And Matt, the guy literally has his arm around and Matip's neck and drags him back. 
to the ground. Yeah. And Matip actually gets his head on the ball because he's being dragged back at the time. He just heads it straight back in. Whereas it's clear, clear and obvious that the guy's got him in a headlock and drags him down. He's no other players within a couple of yards. I do I, think... I actually think yeah, that the referee should have seen it as a penalty on the field. Yeah. But then after that, it's like, well, that's my, that's my thing again. VAR's been brought in. We should have been within two seconds. The guy should have been cooling down. No, no, no. That, that was you need to look at that. Uh, it's a clear and obvious penalty. Is the most one of the most stonewall penalties I've ever seen, and no one even looked at it. I do think it's one of those things on corner kicks where it's like holding in football. You could call it every play. Um, if if they var at every corner, there's probably a penalty on every corner. But I, I'm going to text you the picture now so you can actually see. Okay. Yeah. Um. It. All... Um. I just think on a corner, it takes a lot. Um, to actually get a penalty called just because it is kind of like Stalingrad <laughs> when the ball's in the air. But yeah, it's a bit of a blurry um, shot, but you'll, you'll see the arm, like you, you zoom in, you just see his arm around. His, it is not like it is not like a bunch of players around each other. They are in their own little bit of space. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's a, head, yeah. it's a headlock. And if you watch it, if you actually watch the video, it's, it's very, very obvious. And, uh, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even just, Liverpool fans, the usual, you know, it wasn't an isolated. It was a lot of people saying, "What is VAR for?" If it's not for that, there was the, Pad, the Paddy Power betting account. Twitter was like making their jokes they do about stupid things that happen because that that's kind of how stupid it was. So, yeah. Within and luckily, I, I think I tweeted. I, I tweeted, "What the fuck is VAR for?" When that happened, the Ma- yeah. Ma- Matic one in particular, and then a minute later, Mane scored anyway. And I said, "Well, at least Mane scored about the time the penalty should have been taken." So, exactly. Um, in the con- so. context of the game, it wasn't a big deal, but it's still stuck in my mind, especially as this morning happened. I just sat there and thought, "There's two decisions that Liverpool have had that haven't even haven't even had VAR consulted." That's what really bothers me is how. What, where are we it's and this is why I'm against VAR and, and how it's being implemented at the moment is because it is just another referee making a decision uh, 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 their own decision and they're not and they're not any any better man they don't have any better judgment to make the decision so you've got two two levels of referee or at least a referee on the field makes some shit decisions sometimes but those bang bang plays like the penalty this morning, if it had just been that referee and there's no VR available, I mean like God, that's unlucky, but I would have just blamed Callahan for taking the dive. And I wouldn't have blamed the referee, but now I'm blaming VAR and there's all these different levels to mm. blame for it. And it's just makes it more messy as a fan when you when you realise the technology's now there and we're still not getting any benefit from it. And it's still just Yeah. Yeah. Going going back to the Champions League one, do you think it was that they just there wasn't enough to you know, using American football terms for it since we've had replay for quite a while, um, it just wasn't enough to overturn what what the call on the field was. Yeah, but you meant to. You meant the the point of VAR is you meant to actually give the on field referee a chance to have a look at it to see if he wants to change his decision. So the guy in the box has made the decision for him when it wasn't it wasn't a clear and obvious penalty. So no. And to me, like, and they say they say oh, it has to be clear and obvious ref, er, error for the referee to overturn it. But it's meant to be the referee that overturns it anyway, so they didn't even give him a chance. VAR, I, from how I understand it, especially how it was implemented in the World Cup last year, is that if the guys in the VAR office see something that they might want to look at, they call down to the referee and say, hey, you might want to look at this and see if you want to change your decision. And so that's what I'm bothered by, is that they're not even calling down to the referee to say, 
I'm not sure you made the right decision here. But, do, well, I don't even know how they meant to word it, but they meant to say you might want to have a look at this to see if you want to change your decision. Um, which, when you look at that on the slow-mo, it's obvious that there is something there that the referee might have seen differently in the to the naked eye to him. So that's why I'm, it's just the implementation of it is still so flawed. And yeah. I don't think... It's, it's in its infancy, though. Yeah. I think, I mean... They're but, not going to get rid of it. I talk about it with one of my friends uh, back in Nebraska all the time because he's, first of all, he's the man. Like, he's a big supporter of the man. Is what I would, is how I would describe him. <laughs> he likes status quo. So, like, once something gets implemented, that's how it goes, and you can't critique it anymore. Mm. But it is. I do think it'll get better. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere. So it is something we're going to have to live with. And you just have to hope that it does get better because the EPL came out and said that they did get four calls wrong over the first, the VAR got four calls wrong over the first four weeks. So that's one a week that they got wrong on something that's like, I don't get how you can get a call wrong early. And it goes back to our last pod, which once again, please listen to that one. You can hear me rant about this, but it's just a gray area. We don't know. A lot of this stuff is interpretation and perception, mm. and that is that belongs to the individual. That doesn't belong to the masses. So it is a problem where, you know, maybe some people saw that yesterday and did see it was a penalty. I personally did not, but yeah, it's just up in the air right now yeah, because there's no true definition of a penalty. Yeah, well, and to that point, though, I think it's what – what does the referee think? I think, in my opinion, I think he he sees a robber's leg, a foot come out. Andy Robertson. I should not use the nickname I use for my beloved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> love the bloke. Uh, but so I think what he's made the penalty decision was he, he said seeing the leg come out, then Callahan's gone down in the in the naked eye moment again. He's seen, he's seen the leg as the thing that's brought him down when you watch it in slow motion, the leg actually doesn't make any contact. So that's what I, I think it needs to be looked at so he can make the decision to say, oh, he, he didn't make contact there. Okay, was there any other contact that brought him down or was it Callahan bringing it down himself? They just need to let him have a look at it and that's where... And yeah. like like you said, hopefully it gets better, but... I think it, it has to. I mean... Yeah, but if, it, if we're still going to be having these conversations reasonably regularly, then what's the... Like, then it should just go back to like I, I I've talked about it with Vince on the pod before. I love goal line technology. That's black and white. You can't even argue with it, unless they come out and say the balls are being rigged or the you know. But well, it's, I mean they didn't get it right this past weekend in the MLS, but we can get to that later. And oh, it Jesus. actually benefited the Timbers, but because <laughs> DC scored a second goal, but and then the ball was completely over the line. But but goal line de- okay. I didn't actually know. <laughs> I should look that yeah. one up. But, um, okay, so that's but. Offside decisions as well, as long as they actually define what offside is, but it's, it's usually meant to be a goal-scoring part of the body. So it's, it's pretty obvious what is offside and what isn't as far as those. Well, I do, yeah, kind of. I mean, if someone's arm is offside, you know, I know it's all based on the feet, but that can that's also a gray area. I know um, Ian Dark brought up something on Twitter that was the light of day rule, I think, and mm-hmm. I think that's pretty self-explanatory of what offside should be is there's light of day in between the defender. Yeah. So obviously, because I don't think when the people created soccer that they were going to think that like somebody's head being offside and like a toe being offside was actually offside. It meant like if you're like trying to cherry pick behind the defense. So I don't know. We're again, 
it's it's a gray area kind of pod day yeah. so um uh, if, if you're talking about the rules you know fans aren't gonna like them no matter what mm-hmm. if you take away var people are gonna be mad that there's no var so well as i've said a lot over the pod the last few years i don't mind the non-var area because at least you just you accepted that just there was some shit that went for you and went against you i don't you know, I, if you went back over Liverpool and Manchester City's title run last year, went over every single decision that could have gone to VAR and didn't, I don't even know how the title would end up, but it would probably just be City when Liverpool come second. I, I assume it would end up that way because I just, I just feel, particularly in football when it runs, you know, finals and stuff are different, uh, but, you know, in title races, it's just, you know, there's 38 matches, there's no final, there's no final match. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, some teams do get the rub of the green a little bit more. There was the fame. There was always the fame. Was, I mean, it's still a thing that Manchester United just... Fergie time. Fergie time. Manchester United have had like five or six penalties already at home this year and missed half of them. But uh, And it is a weird thing because stoppage time is so... You know, the refs say they calculate it, but it's just... You oh know, yeah, they say that they say they're watching their clock when someone goes down with cramp for 35 seconds. But it's never enough. It's never honestly. enough. Honestly. No. So, and... Unless you played under Fergie at Man United, but yeah. it's just the trying to add this precise element to a not a, a game that's not precise in itself. Mm. Um, it, it's just going to take a while for you know the game to adapt to it. I think yeah. and fans to adapt to it. So and I'm not I'm not sure I'll ever be all for it. Like how how overarching it is at the moment because it just. Uh, Unless they unless they do really start knuckling down and getting letting referees have a look at these decisions, if there is something that the VAR and the VAR office, the guys that are in the the booth need to be better trained to to see these things, because I just think this morning's was a blatant one that at least they have to have a look at, and I think if he has a look at it, it's, it's, there's a good chance it's overturned. And that Matic one on the weekend was just egregious. I don't know how you don't know how two two referee the referee on the field actually should have seen that one. And the referee in the box certainly should have. So, you know, we've talked about VR on this pod plenty of times. Vince has certainly heard me rant about it a bunch. And uh, I, I even, I've got anti-VAR as a, a shirt idea for the future. So, sure. um, um, but switching back. to actual physical threats to your team, mm-hmm. um, Erling Holland hat trick, the uh, Wonderkin mm-hmm. from Norway. Um, pretty impressive Champions League debut. I'm guessing it was his debut. Yeah, yeah. The Red, this He's is only Red, 19. So. And, the, and this is Red Bull Salzburg's uh, first year in the Champions League. They've had a few heartbreaking. Yeah, they got into the Champions League, so they've had a couple of couple of years where they went out. I think last year they led two 0 at halftime and then let, gave up a lead in their qualifier. This year they got in based on the fact that both to- because Tottenham and Liverpool were both in the final. It's something to do with. The next, yeah. the next ranked automatic team because their league and their their European performances in the Europa League have been pretty good. They got in. They were the next next placed of the outside top five leagues to get in. All that's fucking European shit. That you know you can read it up better than I'm explaining it. But so yeah, they read what their Champions League debut and they win win six two over Genk and yeah, Erling Haaland has a hat trick. So. Very well yeah, taken. Yeah, more hat. goals than eyebrows, <laughs> which isn't that much because he has zero eyebrows. Um, that's uh, an interesting thing that we're going to have to keep an eye on this season. So to see if he grows one of those eyebrows, eyebrows going to come in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, he looks like a Viking. Uh, he 
might. I mean, I'm interested to see him go against Van Dyke. Yeah, he finishes incredibly well. As I mean, I, you know, without I don't know Gank at all as a team really. So without knowing, they like, did not look one of those great. break. One of those breaks, they were just at sixes and sevens, and um, <laughs> yeah. So you can't, you know, we'll see what happens when they're playing against us. But I certainly, certainly watching that game. So I watched a, a fair bit of the highlights after our game this morning. I was like, yeah, he's a good, he's got to watch. You know, if if they work out, you know, it's just you get this guy the ball in the box and his and his his movement and and obviously his finishing. Like those a couple of his goals, just they entered the net at you know a million miles an hour. The way they just the power he can get into yeah. his shots was, you know, that's what took me took me by surprise was just how powerful those finishes were and. um yeah, you know, he's got he's got tree stumps for legs. I mean, he's no he kind of um, he doesn't look like Ibra at all, but mm-hmm. they similar games to when Ibra was younger. Just huge dudes from you know up by the Baltic yeah. and uh, just raw power. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Yeah, Maybe he, you guys will shut him down though. He reminds me of that guy from um, the Bench Warmers. You know how the the <laughs> Can't the, see the sun. <laughs> no. Yeah, Nick's words. No, no, yeah. the, that that too. But the the opposing team has that guy. They bring in the guy that's like, oh, the twelve year old. Yeah, yeah. I am twelve. Um, I am twelve. Yeah. Like no, for a nineteen yeah. year old, like he, like to me, like the way he was playing, the way he was finishing, looks like a striker of much much older years than than the nineteen. Until um, you look at his face, and he yeah. looks like he's eleven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, our, yeah, it's kind of an opposite thing, but it's just the way the, his 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 play was beyond his years this morning. But again, we don't know, you know. And Genk got two goals back, despite the fact that Salzburg put six past him. But yeah, they they top the group at the moment, so you know. Yeah, and they're I not mean, they're not the only group that's got a weird weird setup at the moment. Um, the the interesting part about it, I didn't realize this guy's dad was uh, Alf Ingharland, who. Who was the infamous one who had a massive rivalry with Roy Keane because he blames Roy Keane for ending his career, and then Roy Keane um, stomped on it, like got some retribution against him a, a couple of years later. Like they just had this little battling back and forth rivalry, and Roy Keane was a well-known shit house. So, uh, you know, interesting thing. That's uh, fun. Yeah, Erling Erling Haaland says he, he he was born in Leeds despite being Norwegian because of where his his dad was playing at the time. And, um, so he could be an Englishman. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's not he's Norwegian international anyway. So, uh, but I don't know if that does some. Jewish. I know he scored nine goals in an under nineteen match last year. So, oh god, he's he's uh he's Actually, ready. I remember that. Well, I do remember that one now. That you, know, you mentioned it, I do remember that one coming up. I wonder so. if England will try to try to swing him, try to get him get him on there. I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that's just gonna like those kind of guys seem pretty passionate about where they're from. But he's also passionate. Well, he's from Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a pa- he's, he's a passionate Manchester United hater, even if it's because of his Leeds and allegiances. So I, I appreciate that. So, speaking yeah. of which, when's Leeds going to get into the EPL? Hopefully, hopefully next year. Hopefully never, to be honest. But I want him back. I, I want all the clout. <laughs> I want uh, the history. Oh yeah, no, I want we... Watford to uh, get buried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> We'll get to we'll get to Watford in a bit, but yeah. so the other so there was a couple of other groups that had their games today. We had so Chelsea was the next one. They lose at home. It was home, wasn't it? It was at Stamford Bridge. They are wearing their. Uh, they I, wearing, I believe. 
I believe so. They yeah. lost 1-0 to Valencia, who, you know, not exactly the not exactly a power coming out of Spain. I mean, they they they're probably like the fourth best team in La Liga. I'd say yeah. maybe less. I don't know. Um. Yeah. I I just don't think Chelsea's very good this weekend. Which or this weekend, thinking ahead of you guys' game with them. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think Chelsea will be in the Europa. Well, their group's pretty weak. But I don't think they're going to make a deep run. Let's just yeah. say that. Well, so talking about the match first of all, like I didn't see any of I was, it. I well, I was on. Twi- I, I just saw it on Twitter, and I just I was like scrolling through Twitter at the end of our game because I was like, you know, we're, this is fucked. Mad about VAR and all that stuff. Uh, but then I see like some by the minute football account just tweet uh, Ross Barkley to take the penalty. And I was like, Ross Barkley, huh? Okay. Yeah, that seems bad. Bold move, Carton. Um, <laughs> yeah, and obviously he goes as exactly as then like the second later the next tweet is like yeah he skated off the bar and apparently there was some discussion like the players were kind of argu- they weren't arguing it wasn't like those one of those classic where two players are almost getting into a fist fight over who's going to take the penalty but it was a little bit of discussion it was going to be Jorginho and then another bloke and, and Barkley finally took it and it just I, any team that goes into a match and doesn't have a designated penalty taker that's just going to take yeah. it is always is always a dangerous one. I understand this. They just yeah yeah they just seem disjointed without Hazard. Hazard, yeah. sorry, <laughs> Midwestern coming out. Um, they just seem like they don't have a leader, mm-hmm. um, a person they're turning to, and you know the Champions League will swallow you whole, and the EPL will swallow you whole if you're that way. Yeah. So, and uh, um, we talked about it a bit with Arsenal before the pod and how, you know, they just had, you know, having Jaka just being a force out there and like regularly being the captain is a big deal. And Chelsea don't seem to have uh, an honest, honest captain like that, which is surprising because Frank Lampard played on played on several teams um, where he was not, where sometimes he was a captain, or he was with John Terry, who was a captain that was always there. So it's weird that Chelsea doesn't have that guy that they can really stick there and make all the big decisions for him and take the penalties and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, obviously, that home match. You know, when we did our group previews, we just said, oh, we think Chelsea will just get through based on the fact that their group is uh, a little bit weaker than some others. But we did, we also did allude to the fact that their team is not quite as strong this year. And, uh, Ajax had a great. They're the other other team, other strong team in the group. They had a three 0 win, and so you've mm-hmm. got, you've got Ajax top, Valencia second after the first day of matches. Obviously, five matches to go, and Chelsea get a few a result. But Ajax will be Chelsea just has done nothing this season that has shown me that they deserve to even be in the Europa League. Yeah, like, and we'll get to their champion, their Premier League match after that. You know, looked uh, might look good on paper, but. There's still cracks there, so you know. Um, yeah, if they, they, Ajax will be a tough out both at Chelsea and certainly at in Amsterdam. Uh, Valencia, obviously, they've got to go to Valencia, which would just be a tough away match, regardless of how well Valencia are going. They've obviously got the win at Chelsea, so they'll be full of. Again, they just need a draw out of it, yeah. really. Like a lot like Napoli, it's just when once you get those those wins against those big clubs you have the momentum too you have the mindset that you you know what it takes to beat them especially with Chelsea having to go to Valencia I'm pretty sure that's what it has to happen so yeah Valencia is going to be confident in that match yeah and then Chelsea suddenly like they put themselves right behind you know the two teams are the two teams that can challenge them for 
getting out of the group. You know, Ajax are probably you'd suddenly say they're favourite to get out to finish top now, and uh, Valencia and Chelsea will be battling for the second spot, and Valencia has struck the first first blow. So, you know, that group could Chelsea could end up in the Europa League before the end of the you know this year rather than next year. Yeah. Uh, so that group aside, we got the other the other result that was um. And this group, when I when I read to you how this group finished out for the day, you know, I, I, unless you've actually seen it already, it'll be a surprise. But so Dortmund, the Dortmund Barca match was obviously actually the real landmark one of the day. Dortmund. I didn't get to see any of it. I watched <laughs> so. highlights. Um, I was following it on the on Twitter because I follow Dortmund on Twitter and whatever. And mm. oh man, they they blew some chances. They obviously had a penalty saved, uh, and then just. Just had a bunch of golden chances. Royce go and Royce is a class act, and I've got his jersey in my closet, and I love the guy. But man, mm. he, he skied a couple of chances he should have, and, and he obviously missed the penalty. It was saved. It was a decent save by Testagen, but it was a low one into the bottom corner that you know, struck with decent pace. But Testagen was able to get across to it. So I feel like they did that last year, maybe against Barcelona too. I think they, I think they were in the group stages with each other last year, or they played in the round. Uh, it might have been knockout. But I think they had chances against Barca last year too, or it was, or maybe it was Real Madrid, one of those two teams. And yeah, Dortmund is just kind of that team. Um, I think they had Atletico Madrid last year. Maybe that was yeah. it. I need a Spanish side, but <laughs> they just couldn't really. Yeah, they just they're that close, and obviously a visual medium would help. But they're that close. You can imagine. To a large you know, being, dick. being <laughs> to being a power, it's just that little that little bit that they're missing, and until they get that, um, that's why it would have been nice to see Pulisic say there. Um, yeah, may, he might have been able to deliver that, even though he hasn't at Chelsea. But it's kind of two different animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did have um, one of the best pregame. Uh, one of the best pregame. I don't know know what to call it. Whether it's a tifo or like just a. That's its own thing. I don't know if it was a confetti. Yeah. Was it confetti? That's what it was. They threw it? like streamers, I think. So they yeah. threw streamers out and it showed their crest. No, it just like, said BVB spelt across the yellow wall. And it was just so... Oh yeah, God. and if you haven't seen it, um, go take a look. It's yeah. one of the um, most impressive things I've ever seen a fan base do. And obviously Dortmund is always at the top of the, top of the list for um, not only celebrating their team but creating things that really reflect that yeah i'll be right i'll be writing about that on the on the website soon about the experience of going to there because even though it was just a october it was a halloween um cup <laughs> cup match that we went to last year it was just there was like i think the stadium can hold eighty thousand. there was about seventy two thousand there it was unreal just even for a, yeah a, a match in the context of the season didn't mean too much unless they obviously went on and won the cup, which they didn't. But yeah, just unreal the fans there, you know, and the the beer that is sunk out outside and inside that stadium is <laughs> unreal as well. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that 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 display was yeah just ingenious, really. Like, and only they're they're one of the only stadiums in the world that can do that because of them having the biggest single single tiered stand in the. Mm-hmm. World. I think it's like twenty. It's half of you know a quarter of their ground can fit in that. Um, it's just. They're, yeah. they're in a unique position that they can do that, and they their fans do get just get right behind their team and ride hard for them. So, be interesting to see if you guys could do that with the cop, but I doubt it. Yeah, cops not probably not quite. Kind of its own thing. You certainly could do it. It's just not as 
big, so you wouldn't have the yeah. the, the the impressive nature of that was the the height and how deep that mm. the yellow wall goes where the cops just well, and just that it it worked. Yeah, you know, you yeah, see, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, unreal. Um, so the other group, other game in that group was uh, Slavia Prague and Inter Milan, and Slavia Prague were playing at Inter Milan. Yeah, that was a surprising one. Yeah, and led the game until the unfortunately the ninety ninety second minute. I think Inter Milan got an equalizer. I thought Inter was going to steal it too. They definitely were the better team over like the last five minutes. Yeah, but overall just a disjointed, um, uninspired performance from Inter. Mm-hmm. I actually got to saw that. I actually got to see that one. So yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised at it. I thought Inter was going to like. Thought they were trying to burst on the scene as, hey, we might be a contender this year. So mm-hmm. obviously, the performance in a match you should win would have been nice. Yeah. Well, the the thing is that after that game day, because Dortmund and Barca have gone to a scoreless draw, Inter Milan and Slavia Prague have had a score draw of one goal each. Slavia Prague, due to the away goals rule, are topping the group after match day yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> if there you go. If you've been able to put money on that uh, happening, you know them to top the group at any point. Obviously, match day one was probably the only op- real option for it, but you wouldn't have seen it happening. So no, good on them. Especially after they had the uh, there was the video moment where their their uh, management that was at the Champions League draw just start laughing when they <laughs> in disbelief yeah. for the, oh, the yeah. group of death <laughs> yeah. that they've been drawn into. They the good on them for you know they haven't lost in the group yet. So. And, and going, that's just going, the going, magic of Champions League. Yeah, you going, never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and going to Inter Milan and getting points, um, you know, great feat. So give him a little bit of confidence. Obviously, I don't think they'll get too much out of going to a visit to Barca and a visit to Dortmund. But you know, if they have to go there, they've got something to build on. So I think I, Dortmund and Barca have to take that as a huge positive because I, I think we talked about it in uh, our preview. I said, well, I think Dortmund and Barca are easy locks to go through mm-hmm. and you brought up inner who's inner is really trying to you know make the move yeah. into um you know they've been there before <laughs> obviously yeah. but then they're trying to get back to that but just a dreadful showing other yeah. than the last five minutes when when they finally got their heads out of their asses yeah <laughs> so <laughs> and they had a similar opener to tottenham last year i think too when they it was just a weird weird opening game but um, so the other group, uh, not too much to, it was Red Bull Leipzig 1-2-1 over Benfica and Leon and Zen at St. Petersburg at a 1-1 draw. So, uh, yeah, that match. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I mean, those are the matches you expect to just kind of be like the la-di-da and they were yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it just wasn't, I mean, you, unfortunately in the group stage, you need names to kind of really draw American fans in and I am an American fan. So, and yeah. my team. Europa League, so it's a little <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm a fan that watches Liverpool at home, and I you know try to watch as much as I can, but I work 50, 60 hours a week and don't have time to watch Leon and Zenit St. Petersburg unless you know. Um, yeah. I try to watch as many highlights as I can, but there was just wasn't much to much to talk about with those from my my point of view. But um, a few big ones starting in about well the early game three hours. Yeah. Oh, the early game starting about half an hour too, but you know, PSG Madrid, Atletico Juventus, and Man City away to Shakhtar and Tottenham Olympiacos. By the time this pod is released, those games will have been played and we'll know. But obviously, oh for sure, yeah, we'll be recording before we're recording before that. So, yeah, that's why we're not going to talk about those until next week. So, yeah, but obviously PSG and Madrid is the uh, 
the ju- the crown jewel of uh, the first round of of games, I would think. Certainly, with um, Neymar being back and back playing, and, uh, and yeah, and his flirtations with any Spanish side that would take him in the off season. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, he and is. also Atletico Juventus. I think they played in the final four oh, the a couple years ago. The last year, final eight. Yeah. I think they well they met in important matches. So yeah, no, last It'll year be fun. Like, I actually get to watch them today. So. Last Excited year was the uh, two 0 Atletico first leg where Diego Simeone did the uh, holding his the balls, band. holding his balls celebration, yeah. and then uh, Ronaldo scored the hat trick in the return leg to get them through and returned it right back to him. So there's a little bit. I don't think there's anything too much to it. Like they were just you know a little bit of banter to be honest, but there's a little bit there to to watch. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, there's plenty there to watch. I. Soccer players and coaches hold grudges like no one else, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets brought out again. Yeah. Ball grabs. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I don't know if I'll watch him. I'll watch him on delayed replay after yeah. I sleep a little later on. But um, yeah, there's not much else to talk about in the Champions League until we find out what those results are. So moving to the EPL action from the weekend. Uh, Liverpool, uh, we've already talked about the VR thing, so we don't need to talk about it. But they conceded early, but came back and won convincingly, and didn't didn't look they looked fine. Like there's still a little bit. They're, they're not quite as defensively sound as they were last year, but their front three are working better than ever. Like Roberto Firmino has found another level and is doing. Um, <laughs> What did yeah, yeah, yeah. Liverpool's fine. Obviously, the big story from the weekend is City losing to Norwich. The Liverpool, you guys, yes, you had your comeback. You didn't look good in the first half, but you oh. guys are in a league of your own right yeah. now. So I want to talk about the the, the, the Men in Blazers podcast, the Rog on there t- <laughs> described. And he's, he's an Everton fan, so he's not like trying to suck Liverpool's dig or anything, but he described... Uh, Roberto Firmino's flick as wizard filth, and he. Wants, I saw that. Yeah, and he wants. It was. And he wants Bill James to make his own statistic about <laughs> about wizard filth. So that's that's just how well received that that flick was, which it was. And um, we just I'm living in the age of Roberto Firmino, and I'm just going to enjoy it. So yeah, you are. Well, we could lead with Liverpool every week, but obviously the big stories are not Liverpool this week. Other than them losing in the Champions League, of course. Yeah, which, <laughs> we, which we did, which we did lead with. So you are uh, right. City, uh, yeah. After dropping points earlier this season already in a match they should have won, they, I thought they should have won um, against Tottenham, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah, they should have won that one. I think there's um, another VAR one in that one too, which was I think legitimately offside from what I remember. But. And then. Yeah, then just outright losing to Norwich, which is a match, a team that just got called back up. Um, you don't expect that. And we talked about it on Three Points Clear a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Crossbrand, even though that is a podcast that has been uh, not reviewed well so far. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try to fix a few things over there. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, we talked about it over there, though. Uh just a huge loss in a, a title race that w- is that should be start to finish all season long between uh, Liverpool and Man City. Yeah, and I certainly don't look at it as um, like City are going to claw their way back a little bit. And Liverpool will probably have their own moment this year where we drop inexplicable points. I don't know if it would be a you know three two to Norwich, but yeah, you, know, you never know. You don't want to 
you know, hopefully at Arsenal would be a good one. <laughs> well, that that those are the ones that you kind of more expect. That's that's the point. Like you know, Norwich, are, and that's a huge result for Norwich as a team that. You know, they were Lu- Suarez's whipping boy back when he was in the Premier League because he scored three hat-tricks against them. Like, it was an <laughs> unreal record. He had that game where he scored four and two of them were from about 40 yards out. Like, he just... Yeah. You know, they're a team that's had a bad history with coming up and just getting absolutely spanked and then getting sent back down. So, for their fan base and for their team and for where they're trying to be as a club to beat literally the most expensive team that's ever been constructed in world football is just such an unreal moment for them. Just even taking away from City losing and dropping points in the title race implications, just taking it back to the Norwich, Norwich cities, uh, how, how big that is for their fans and whatever. That's just such an unreal result and really cool to see it. You know, we often talk about in modern football and football, these sports and the big teams that come up and just how some people talk about how boring it is these teams buy all the players and win the titles and all that stuff. You just see those fans' reactions and the and the players celebrating and stuff like that. And you see, as hard as much as it sucks that modern football's had this money money stuff to it that's leaned it so heavily towards the bigger clubs. When one of these smaller teams gets a result, fuck, it looks good. It's great. It's great yeah. television. It's great story. <laughs> it's great everything around it is just such a great story. You know, you got the the whole Tamu Puki storyline that was starting to generate even before this game just got another level you know everyone's been talking about him last i saw a rumor last week last week it was one of those shitty twitter rumors about you know manchester you know how to look at a team of pookie i was like this is getting out of control but then he just he scores scores what ended up being the winner against city so who knows yeah i mean <laughs> football's funny that way um it was absolute scenes there so happy for norwich like um we kind of talked in our kit rankings i've always had a soft spot for them because mm-hmm. And in speaking of that, their kids did look great out there. Um, they look better in movement than uh, they did um, in the pictures I was looking at yeah. uh, for last week. But uh, they're still really bright uniforms. It's always sunny at that field, it feels like. So it's always sunny in Norwich, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just it always seems very yellow there. So it was, it was a cool match to watch. The gang, the gang beat City? Cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gang hangs on against City. I think if that match was 10 minutes longer, uh, City might have at least escaped with the point because they were definitely all hands on deck there late. But yeah, and they're, um, they're obviously a big match for Liverpool supporters and City supporters alike. Uh, you guys, yeah, I'm sure you guys will drop points to a team you shouldn't this season, but right now it just it's hard to imagine. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, it's, and I said to you um, in text, I had $5 on... Well, I, I said yeah. it on pod a few weeks ago and he kind of chuckled away, which is probably a fair enough response, to be honest. But I'm putting five, <laughs> $5 against City every week and I won $75 from it from this week because that's how long the odds hey. are. Every and that'll week. cover most of your matches. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got $5 on a Watford this week, uh, yeah. which is paying even more. That'll return $95 if it comes through. So I'm not expecting many of these bets to pay. It was more of a fun thing for me to just invest myself even more in City losing and... To just put put a nice bump in my betting account as well. So a very very petty bet, very Tom Petty. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's fun. I'm just, running, I'm just running down a dream share. That's all. That's all yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that feels. So. <laughs> well, look, look. Do you do you want to get? Do you want to just rip the bandaid off and and? I mean, Arsenal are free falling. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Like, <laughs> it's just 
just an absolute pathetic showing, especially seeing the teams that you're in the running for top four against kind of in a return to form other than United. United had a pretty shit match this mm-hmm. week and they kind of lucky to escape with points. Um, but Chelsea and who will be Liverpool's weekend and uh, weekend opponent. And we'll get to that. Um, Chelsea and Tottenham kind of returned to form, at least in the league play mm-hmm. um, by thrashing weaker opponents. So pretty disappointing to see Arsenal blow a two goal lead, a two goal halftime lead to the bottom of the table at Watford. Yeah. Felt like a loss. Um, we kind of covered that on TBC again, just the worst reviews you can imagine on that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, yeah, it's just pathetic. Um, Arsenal trying to play out of the back line. Uh, it's, I, I used to say it was like watching a car crash in slow motion, but that's too kind for it now, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's like watching a genocide in real motion. It's just, it's pathetic, and just hopefully the reinforcements are coming. I know once Bellerine um, gets match fit and Tierney... Um, gets used to the squad a little bit and starts playing, I think we'll be better because we'll be able to use their speed and just their wits on the, on the wing Mm -hmm. because playing it through the center of the field from the back is just not working and let a Watford team that looked miserable in the first half back into a match that they had no part of being in by just giving them a goal basically. Yeah. And that's the worst thing is when it's often the way those teams get back into matches and we, we've had a few of them in the past and, I said to you just through text that it's just it's I can see the stage that you're in is that you're just in that stage where you've got like this really good talented forward line that because that first half was amazing and Aubameyang just such a talented striker I was a big fan of him just a natural scorer yeah Yeah, I was a big fan of him at Dortmund and when he was often talked about as being available because obviously Klopp managed him for a bit I was like oh but we were already at a point where I was like I'm not sure who how we would get him there you guys are fine move on (laughs) Anyway, like I'm just saying, my respect for Aubameyang is is quite is there, and so I, I and it's and it's been really fun to watch him. He's he's a one, he obviously he won the Golden Boot in a three way tie last year, so he's 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 quickly adapted to the Premier League as a as a goal scorer that any given week will score if he gets the opportunities, and and he got two great opportunities and took them on the weekend and brought them to a two 0 league. He was the, he was the match winner on that day and. Should have at the end of the day should have been the match winner, but because the back line is so frail and uh, and that's just the that's just where the position you're in you're you're building up and and whether whether Emery has has to work out work out what he's doing with the back line a little bit more to protect it better because but even that mistake for the first goal was just just shit houseery of the high highest level from the, from yeah. the players just not realizing the situation they're in so and I, it I it, was a, it, it was predictable um, yeah. Arsenal had escaped a couple similar instances in that sa- in, early in that second half already, and early in the first half trying to play out of the back, and it's just quit going to that well, you know. Socrates, yeah. I love him; he's our best center back. But I'm so sorry. I I think he's good. <laughs> I I I defend him. I think we just don't have the bodies to put to switch out a guy like David Luiz right now. Yeah. Um, and and to be fair to Socrates, as 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 your love for him, like I don't mean to bring, keep bringing Liverpool into this, but before yes, you do, yeah, I, <laughs> and I'm I'm fully aware of that. Kinda before Virgil Van Dijk, <laughs> Joel Joel, Mel, 
Joe, Joel Matip and uh, Dejan Lovren were pretty maligned by Liverpool fans. Matip suddenly one of the best centre defenders in Europe because, and it's often who it's often if you get a great generational player like a, a Virgil Van Dijk kind of player next to a, yeah. a de- defender that does have the talent who can lead them and they can form a partnership. Sometimes that. So I think you guys are just you might be just one one one. I think you might be two players away in the defense, but you might be just one great player. I just think Arsenal needs to get healthy. Obviously, well, a that, great player in the back that, that does help would be good. <laughs> but obviously, having Bellerin back and if Tierney lives up to eighty percent of the hype that he's been given in the rags, the papers, uh, hopefully that'll be a big help, and we'll be able to, you know our left back and right back will be able to kind of their quick twitch ability will be able to get, make it so that we can play from the side, like from the wings rather than up the middle because, and you know, yeah, the more you um, open up the field, more the better. So Rob holding had a, a nasty knock last year, um, did his knee pretty bad. Um, so he'll be a nice center back addition once we get him back and hopefully David Louise will only see the pitch and, goddamn Carabao Cup or whatever. <laughs> so, or he can just come on and do a Rob Green kind of celebration when you when you win a trophy at some point. That that, that that's kind of when you want to see David Louise. Um, giving away a lot of points. absolutely, yeah, and yeah, obviously the second goal came from Louise. Just, just, oh. I saw <laughs> I saw a great I saw a great um, there's a great tweet gif of like the slow motion of the penalty being given away and before. Before Louise, like Louise, goes into the box and starts to initiate contact, he points. I think it's Socrates might be the other player that's in the vision of the video, and he points, kind of like you know, directing him to cover another position. And the and the caption to the tweet was, "Go over there. I can give away this penalty all on my own." <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Terrible penalty giveaway. But um, kind of going back to what we were talking about before the podcast with Jaka um, being mm-hmm. named captain to Arsenal. The reason there was so much space there is because of Jaka and Watford had every EPL team has that space against Arsenal. Yeah. Because he, it's just a space where you would like a holding midfielder to be, but he's just not there. So while David Louise is terrible, <laughs> um, his midfield isn't helping him at all by putting him in arguably unwinnable situations. Yeah, I think we did talk about the brief league before on the pod or... At well, some, yeah, when Liverpool uh, scorched him, we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, before the pod today, I think we talked about how you oh, know, yeah. sometimes like midfield protection is half of the defence, you know. Obviously, a good defence is... You, you want to have the good defenders and then the good midfield to protect them because every line of every better line you have is just less stress on each line and bet, and each line can contribute to to the attack more. So, um, well, then that again falls on Emery then. Um, yeah, and uh, and he's built a great forward line. He just needs to start quickly building backwards and work out what's going wrong. I do like the combo of Guendouzi and Torreira in the midfield, and so if. But then you have to play your captain, you know, if you're named, you know, Jaka, because Schreer is feisty. Yeah. Like, he's just, not going to allow that space. He's box to box. I was just reminded so. me of my favorite nickname for Gwen Doozy, my mate uh, Sean here. Um, I don't know if he listens to the pod, but when that, that story came out about all the uh, Arsenal players doing nangs at the, at the club last year. Yeah. We, we've forever called Gwen Doozy Nang Doozy ever since. So. <laughs> Great. <laughs> 
No, he, he is a, he is a, he is a promising young player though. So I, I, you, there is a lot of signs there to where Arsenal can be. It's just it is just that process of they're going to have to. There'll be some some hard deci- personnel decisions over the next year. Um, January certainly is a time. Like I hope you you guys as a club, uh, you know Arsenal as a club should be looking at the Arsenal transfer when the Arsenal January transfer window for Arsenal as a. Well, we'll call it the Arsenal transfer window. Well, it probably needs to be because. They probably want it. They need to to be on the plan that Emery they brought Emery to be in. They need to be making Champions League football at the end of this year. Con- considering Chelsea's weakness and Manchester United's weakness, Tottenham we don't know where they are. They are yet. The team hasn't changed too much, and they were they were pretty good last year, just up and down because they don't have the depth. So Arsenal are in that spot where they can either be third or fourth, considering Chelsea and Manchester United not being that great. But if they don't make that move quick enough and they don't get some transfers in in January, then you know Manchester United might get their shit together and steal that spot just a virtue of Arsenal not having. So I can see where you guys are going. Arsenal, I should stop saying you guys, but we, we all know what we're talking about at this point. Whatever, we know what we're talking about at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, it was just frustrating. I think I was texting you about it on Sunday. It was just like, this is fam- familiar feeling and yeah. it's just, pathetic like it's one thing and it's it's one thing against all the other big six clubs that arsenal just doesn't get results now but it's those matches where you're dominating and you just lose focus and the glaring issues in your team like i bet they come out and beat frankfurt tomorrow like five to nothing but it it doesn't matter because they lost to watford you know it's just it doesn't do anything like the big wins don't do enough to quell fucking away a match at Wofford it just it doesn't you know and it and that's something Emery really needs to work on there's no confidence in this team there hasn't been for the last five years yeah yeah and you know they brought Emery into he he came in with a good pedigree but there's a it was a chance they took a chance on him you know there's bigger bigger names out there for sure yeah and you know certainly it's only he's only early into his second year and I always like to, you know, these these days managers don't get given a lot of time. But you know, Alex Ferguson always got sacked six years, six seven years in because he hadn't done much, and then they suddenly just scraped through and won the FA Cup, and then the rest is history. Unfortunately, um, so you know, time yeah. time is probably needed. Uh, whether he gets the time is another question. But yeah, Gen- January, Gen- yeah, yeah, January, January, and then the summer will be big windows for him because you know he's got he's got the attacking players he needs or wants. You know, Lacazette, Pepe, and Aubameyang fit and firing at three of the best, you know, one of the best front lines you could ask for. So mm. you know, it's just it's just Pepe still needs a little work, but um, yeah. I think he'll get there. He's still just adjusting. That happens to everybody. So. Yeah, he's a rusty gear that just needs a little bit of WD forty, and he. You just cannot find the ball, whether it's a pass or a shot. And I said this last week, and I'll probably say it again. <laughs> probably say it again next week. He just can't find that final ball. Yeah. He, he's just putting defenders in the torture rack and just box to box, and just such a great athlete and great wing player that he just needs to find that last ball. And once he finds that, I mean. If he finds that, then it's they put they bury Watford in the first half. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it'll come. It's just frustrating. It's just baby steps with this club. You know. Yeah. You hope they do better. When I don't know what it says about the EPL though. Um, 
if it's just a two-team league and the rest are just kind of even. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, most of the leagues around the world are like that. You know, you have you have the case. I mean, the EPL is still one of the most competitive leagues in the in the in Europe and the world. So yeah, yeah, football's just like that. That it often ends up being two teams that separate themselves from the rest and. Yeah, occasionally you get a. Th- it's it's very rare that you get a genuine three way title battle. It's just it's just the way football shakes out. Just doesn't seem to work that way. You know, even if yeah, you know, remember last year I've, I've said it on pod before. There was about two weeks last year where Liverpool dropped their couple of points and City clawed it back and Tottenham also were there and they were like six or seven points behind. People said, oh yeah, maybe Tottenham will get back in the race. At the end of the year, they were about twenty points behind. So you know. Exactly. It just doesn't work. It's just unfortunate. It's just a weird, weird thing about football is that gen- genuine, generally at oh my god, it is two a.m. Um, yeah. At the end, at the end of the year, if there's going to be, there's always going to be. By the time May comes around, there's only going to be two teams that are genuine with the chance. If it is two teams, often there's only one. You know, in in Spain, Italy, Germany. Uh, Germany went pretty close last year. Last year, obviously, England was pretty close, but often by May, a lot of titles can be decided. So it's just the just the way of the world in a, in a system. Yeah, that they, they're just decided by the thirty eight games of the league season. So Which, I mean, I still expect a top four finish. So yeah, I mean, and I think and I think you guys are right. Right, still like you know the Watford. It was a shitty result, but it was still it was a draw. It wasn't. You know, the the real bad thing would be if you just fell away and you know lost three two. Oh, they had chances i mean yeah. i know a bunch of arsenal fans on twitter were saying i mean lucky to escape there with the point so yeah you can't give these small teams like a, a glimmer of hope because if once they see it especially because they, 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 they get a sniff and they go well fuck it we can we can get a win against arsenal we'll throw the kitchen sink at them so it's kind mm-hmm. of like Watford was, or um norwich was the exact same way yeah. so yeah they, lucky they, to escape they showed the way uh, speaking of um, centre backs and in centre back, we were talking about Arsenal defence for a while. Uh, just to finish off on the, the the other interesting aspect of the title race at the moment is um, we talked about on uh, three points clear the Laporte being out for five or six months, and now John Stones, you know, not the not the greatest, you know, he's not Laporte level, but he's still part of the depth chart, if you so to speak. At City with their mm-hmm. centre backs, and he's he's come in uh, over the over the weekend to deputised for <laughs> Emmerich Laporte and now John Stones is out for about five or six weeks now as well. Not months like Laporte but you know it's still a month and a half possibly. So City are suddenly reeling with um, only having one or two I think real legitimate centre-backs in their squad that are fit and ready to play for the next month or two. Mm. It's an interesting little twist to this title race. Obviously City are a team that if they don't have a great defence can just win 5-3 you know or I don't think you want to be relying on that, though. No, you don't want to be relying on pressure on your strikers and midfield, and that's a lot of usage out of them. Yeah, you know, you want to you want to be able to take out your your A squad at the 65th minute because you're up, you know, three nothing. Yeah. So and give them rest. I mean, they want to win the Champions League. That's it's the one thing they haven't won recently, and they're a club built to win the Champions League, and they always have been since they started splashing cash. So. It is interesting. Um, but how do you, how do you think that affects them? Um, both the Champions League groups uh, we talked about in the previews was a one of the easier ones. One yes. of the easier ones, and then the Premier League. You know they're not going to have too. Uh, we, they do play us in a couple of weeks, I believe. But 
Yeah, how, how do you think? Well, that's a huge match, yeah. obviously. So, I mean, it's not good for that. <laughs> I don't really know how else to say it. It's, um, it's kind of frustrating as an Arsenal fan because they're obviously going to start splashing cash in January for defenders as well. So, and defenders are going to want to go there, not Arsenal. Because, yeah, you know, I did. I did see the- someone say so. that that, that um, City are about to go out and spend like. $11 billion on Koulibaly from Napoli, who we talked about earlier. So, I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was just someone being a snarky tweeter, but that was that's legitimately how City... That's how they got Laporte a couple of years ago. They're having a defensive yeah. crisis in 2017-18. And they bought Laporte at the last minute of the January transfer window, and now he's out for five, six months, and we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just how City are. If they needed a... Yeah, they're not going to... like take a chance on a guy like Van Dyke for a little bit of money and watch him turn into the best defender. They're going to splash cash on for who's already a great defender on a mediocre club. And there's there's plenty of them out there. I haven't, I haven't done the research yet, but yeah, Van Dyke almost ended up at city at that same time, but well, that just completely discredits what I said. (laughs) Yeah. There was a, there's a tweet. There was a tweet that's been retweeted recently about how, uh, when everyone thought city was going to get him that, um, uh, that the, someone, some journalist from Manchester City tweeted, oh, he's going to come in as immediately third choice behind Laporte, or not, not even Laporte at the time. That oh, would have been Laporte. Maybe Laporte. No, Laporte came in later. So Laporte was came in after Van Dyke went down the sink. But they were saying how he's coming in as third choice, and yeah, the, everyone's been retweeting that as just a little bit of, little bit of banter about how, how well Van Dyke's done since he's come to Liverpool. But... Yeah, City will go out and spend in January if they feel the need to fill a few gaps, and that that will obviously up the market. Well, if they're eight points back, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. And and for you guys, um, certainly, obviously, going to be looking for some defensive cover. I think, um, well, not even cover, just defensive improvements. Uh, the January market cover is a good word for it, though. Yeah, um, they just don't have bodies right now. Um, brought them up earlier, like. When Arsenal gets holding back, I think that'll be a lot nicer. Yeah. <laughs> then that's at least three guys you can kind of bounce around. Um, I don't think they want to go out of a back three, but I wouldn't hate it um, when they get Bellerine and Tierney. So yeah. Um, back three with Bellerine. Yeah. So we'll see. It's early on. Um, still getting used to it. Um, I know Emery has played a back three before, so. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a big match for them with United at the end of this uh, end of the month, but we'll see. Yeah. I think they'll be healthy by then. <laughs> I I don't want to put too kind of like when we were talking about Notre Dame in the last podcast. I don't want to put too many eggs in their basket, knowing how badly they've just dropped that basket of eggs before, yeah. just right on my face. So. Yeah, well, I guess I said the same thing on the Three Points Clear podcast when you were asking me about Liverpool's title chances. I don't want to put too many. Yeah, you don't want to put yeah. too many eggs in the basket because I've had, uh, you know, Liverpool have the infamous record of being the only team to lead at Christmas three different times and not win the title in any of those times. <laughs> so, uh, you know, happens to the best of us. Uh, <laughs> egg baskets are a rough, rough thing. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, to do what we usually do and finish off with the MLS. Um, it sucks that the United front thing comes up every time, but it is going to come up every time until it's 
somehow resolved and seems as we say every time, every time we talk about it, the next time we talk about it, the MLS has doubled down even more on their stance and Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because, you know, we beat it whether it's me writing about it or us talking about it, um we could talk about this for hours and hours, yeah. obviously. Um kind of what I would like pretty to do much with just it, an up- just, update on what the fans have been doing uh, more so as a, as far as a positive yeah. as a positive um, um yeah movement in the right direction and and standing up to the league and showing that you know this isn't going to stop yeah the, the, you're not going to have your way on this and i the league will kowtow to the fans at some point um it's not a good look um and i just wrote about this uh, that the emerald city supporters as much as i hate them and everything they stand for, other than the United Front, <laughs> yeah. um, that they left their stands open in a humongous match. Um, mm. They left once a player got ejected for waving an iron front flag. They, in unison, left the field um, in a match that meant a lot for Western Conference playoff seating. And um, I think it was 2-2 um, in the second half, so that's a big match. Mm. Um it's not a good look for MLS to have an entire supporter section gone because you're throwing people out for a symbol. Yeah, particularly the one guy that was left was where, uh, waving an anti-fascist, anti-racist, always Seattle flag, which apart from the yeah. last part of that flag, I completely agree with it. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the optics of it keep getting worse for the MLS and it's just like I don't understand where they're going with their stance on it. One, yeah. Yeah. One awesome thing I saw was that Toronto, um, I know it's not in America – but they're all for supporting the Iron Front and um, have lifted a ban on all of it and everything. So um, they're not going to throw people out for it in Canada. So that's cool that the old northern neighbors are standing with, you know, the people down here because fascism in North America is a problem, even for them. So Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting seeing, you know, in a league that has clubs from an actual different nation that is in the same league, doing that as kind of a stance to, and, you know, that puts more pressure on the MLS to make a decision because they've got, you know, clubs in different countries that are saying it's just stupid. So, which most of I still wish the Timbers would come out and, you know, Timbers ownership would come out and say what we're all thinking as well. But, you know, it is good to see, and obviously you wrote about it as well, the uh, fans that got um, on three points clearly, the fans got banned at the Timbers game, including a... uh, a prominent fan that had been there for years beforehand, you know, Timbers right up from the USL days and whatever. So, you know, not good things are happening to some fans getting banned at the moment, but some positive... And stay tuned because tonight there's another match. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a must-watch thing and it's the worst reason to watch a league, but it you got to stay up on it because it is so important. They're trying to take away... They're taking away the enjoyment of the game, which was... Um, the big point in um, my blog post from the other day is that this is not what being a soccer fan is supposed to be about. Yeah, I mean, it is standing up for what you believe in, but it's not supposed to be about like having to sing Bella Chow in the 33rd minute and having to protest. This should just be, and having to bring two sticks and all this stuff that are, mm-hmm. that criticize the league. It should just be about going and supporting your team and having a good time. So the MLS is, the problem here because they're the ones saying you can't do that. Yeah, well, that's certainly like because you know Timber's army, as an example of a fan club, haven't been um, shy in 
making political statements in the past, but it's always been in a celebration, celebratory form, as one with the team and the league, with their you know their their pride, pride tifos and stuff like that. You know, political statements has always been a part of what the uh, the the Timbers <laughs> Army have done and the the Timbers supporter groups have done because that's just part of the uh, the culture of Portland and the ethos of the Portland. Timbers. And it's not a political, yeah. It's I not, it's, it's, sorry, it's I, not I, a political I, stance. It's not a political stance to be inclusive in to fight mm-hmm. for gay rights. Yeah, to so fight that, against racism. I think that the to fight was, against xenophobia. It's not a political stance. It's just called being a good human being. Yeah, I, I think, think I said the exact same thing on our podcast last week, and yeah. I'm going to keep saying it until it is understood by all these fans. Meanwhile, in New York City, you have NYC FC supporters who are proud boys who are. Going to Fucking every assholes. match, season ticket holders, singing, singing xenophobic chants, singing racist chants before the matches, you know, and the MLS has not said a single word about it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's and, what's, and particularly, I think I texted it to you possibly last week, right after we potted last week about um the uh, the thorns, which is a separate, it's a separate league, it's the NWSL, but it's still it, it is. Similar fans, same, probably same. huge overlap. Uh, very, very much the same fans. So, like the Timbers and Thorns have a very good connection. The Timbers Army and the um, Rose City Riveters and all that have a very yeah. good connection as far as how they they support each other. And, and most Timbers fans are Thorns fans and vice versa. So that is it is a good thing to see. But you know the Thorns. So the NWSL isn't the same as MLS. But it, it was just it, it, considering the Timbers owner Merritt Paulson drink um, for, the, <laughs> for the train, not Merritt Paulson. Um, <laughs> no, not, a, not ever. <laughs> um, the Timbers owner does own the same two teams, so, but and he is taking the stance with the Timbers. So it is interesting that he allowed a swearing-in ceremony for it looked like a twenty or thirty different uh, army, marine, whatever, whatever, whoever the fuck he were. No disrespect to them, but it was a swearing-in ceremony for some people going into the military on the field at halftime of a Thorns game last week, mm-hmm. which is incredibly military. Uh, militaristic nationalistic political and you, you're allowing that but you're not going to allow someone to say fly, fly, fly an anti-fascist symbol so yeah it's just an, an interesting optics that are coming from the league and the and the owner that is behind the timbers at the moment and uh, uh just yeah an interesting story that keeps getting more interesting and annoying and frustrating as a fan that just wants to just we just want to watch football we want to be mm-hmm. we, we never want to separate politics from sports in the sense that we want to you know, the, the Colin Kaepernick kneeling, the, uh, having love is not a political statement as a TIFO at the Timbers, that those are all celebratory together community moments that we have when we're... This thing with the United Front is completely... You know, it's it's not something we want to want to be experiencing. And yeah. Yeah, and we'll continue to talk about it. Um, I'm sure throughout the playoffs... Um, It'll still be an issue, and the off season is when this is all going to get hashed out. So we'll be talking about it every week. Um, the uplifting thing about it is that it seems like every fan base is together on it, and um, yeah, you're three, you're seeing more three arrows among supporters. Um, it was cool just writing something about it and just getting so much feedback and just being a, just having people be a part of it and just so excited to share stuff that is anti-anti-fascist if that anti-anti-anti-fascist yeah (laughs) inception um yeah yeah, no it was was super cool seeing your tweet about the um like you tweeting out your story you did on three points clear and then seeing people 
respond to it and saying 100% agree. All, all the things that people were saying was just like, there was no one saying, uh, th- that I saw anyway, saying, no, no, the, the, you know, this is, this isn't, this is right. They should, the league should be doing this. Everyone that is. I mean, there are people, there are detractors out there. Oh, certainly. Um, but the people that are, the people that actively actually care about the league itself are not those detractors. The only, the only detractors are, as we've said on the pod before, are, uh, you know, uh, Armchair fans, you know, not to, not to. There's a radio guy in I think Minneapolis that was criti- or maybe, I think he's from Minneapolis and he was criticizing Seattle and it's just like, dude, shut the fuck up, man. Yeah. Go bitch about it on your stupid radio show. He was also defending Ben Shapiro in a tweet before it. It's like, man, yeah, well, that what says the that, that says all the fuck you, that 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 says all the fuck you need to know. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's just you're either on the side of morality or not, and it's that simple. It is we this both of our pods today have been about gray areas. This is straight up black and white, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's the bottom line. Do not need VAR. It's uh, very simple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so uh, on the field, um, and you know, I said it on three points clear. I, I genuinely think the Timbers would results would be different if um this wasn't distracting it just it just does seem to be something that is is so much in the wings of the mind and the subconscious it's a social war yeah i I wrote it in the piece it's the battle lines have been drawn and so as much as tonight timbers the timbers army is going to be there to win they're also going to be there to protest the league, and there will be people that are in the Timbers Army that are there just to protest the league and protest which, the Timbers themselves at a, at, to a certain extent because yeah, know, well, their ownership, but yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, the, yeah, the, the, not the players in the field, but the the ownership behind the Timbers because Paulson has not backed down from his stance of being supportive of it. So yeah, well. In the end, he runs a business, and if he alienates himself from the Timbers Army, a group that has existed long before he owned the team, mm-hmm. then he sell the team. But if you don't, if you don't understand what the team's about, sell it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Timbers lost on the weekend in a frustrating home match. We we keep saying this on the pod that the Timbers need to start picking up their home points that they've been. Gifted this beautiful home schedule after a grueling start away, which they somehow they started terribly, but picked up points enough to be in the playoff picture. And they are just in the playoff picture at the moment, but they need to start picking up these goddamn home points to yeah. Keep them and that match there. on the match on Sunday just it just seemed bizarre. I think there's st- still a pall uh, over every home match because of what's going on. Yeah, um, I know they passed out. Um, kind of leaflets almost of, about what to expect from the Timbers army um, in protest. So that's, that's kind of distracting fans. And then mm. the weather was super weird there. It was like, I don't know. It just, it looked like a movie from Vietnam. Um, hopefully, I mean, they play in, you know, nine hours. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully turn it around. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, tonight. by the time this pod comes out, we'll know what happened. And, but yeah, no, we do just need to start picking up, Picking up these points, and you know, it's not going to be an easy match against uh, the Red Bulls right tonight. Yep, ten thirty Eastern time. So that's a big advantage that the Timbers um, have over an East Coast team. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, they need to come out and score in the first 20 minutes. Um, maybe the Red Bulls have been out on the West Coast the whole, like, the last five days because they played Seattle. So maybe they're used to the time, but still, you need to come out and get on top of that team. Yeah. And uh, interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, the Timbers matches at 12 p.m. my time, which is perfect, which you yeah, oh, I'll, I'll probably a little be... late for me. Yeah. A little bit late. <laughs> yeah, um, interesting. Like the Sounders at the same time as obviously our game are playing FC Dallas, which are equal on points with us, but a game uh, we have a game in hand. Yeah. So uh, yeah, obviously, man, we're the Timbers faithful are in a weird position where a Sounders result will be very beneficial to the Timbers' uh, hopes of cementing a spot in that last. In, in those last couple of playoff spots. so A playoff race makes weird bedfellows, that's for yeah. sure. But it also, like, something about the United front that's been cool is it, you know, I did, you know, I said what I said about the Emerald City supporters and mm. took my shots at, like, cheeky shots at them, nothing over the top in my piece. But it's been cool just seeing everybody come together and just, you know, I saw a tweet from a Sounders fan, I think an ECS fan yesterday that was like, I hate I hate the Timbers, but at this point, I want to see them make the playoffs because I want to see what they're gonna. I want to see them continue to be able to protest against this ban. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 bigger than sports now. It's it, it's about people. So that was cool to see. And so when you're fighting against the league, yeah, maybe it isn't the worst thing that you have to root for the Sounders. Yeah, and <laughs> particularly with the Sounders, with the ECS, um, as you said, taking that. Bold I'm also in. fine with a draw, by the way. Yeah. Seattle and <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, with the ECS taking that stance, like walking out and leaving that sanction completely empty the other day, it certainly, it certainly does seem like um, you know the Timbers and Sounders have often been in very vengeful fights against each other over the last few years. But um, as far as the fans go at the moment, we're pretty we're in this kind of together at the moment with as far as trying to make this league. <laughs> we just want to yep. get this league back to being. The Sounders and Timbers hating each other, and like the fact that the MLS has made it this this deep that the Timbers and Sounders are coming together, like that should show the MLS how fucking wrong this is. Yeah, <laughs> they want to advertise our rivalry, and we're coming together to say fuck the MLS. So, you know, yeah, they make money off the rivalry, they make money off our fans, and we're all coming together and saying this is stupid. So, yeah, it makes sense for the MLS to see our side of it, but. It seems to not be happening, and we'll keep talking about it until it does. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else really on the on the agenda for this week. Um, um just um, we'll probably. I mean, a lot of matches tonight. Hopefully, discuss that and the weekend whenever we get a chance to jump on three points clear. But, yeah, um, certainly. Yeah. A three points clear. I might do a solo three points clear um, tomorrow about the results tonight, mm-hmm. but after that, probably Sunday, we'll we'll do another one. And then obviously our Wednesdays here, so yeah, we'll yeah, hopefully have your race to the MLS playoffs completely covered. Yeah, yeah, we will between the three points clear pod and then our usual recording time of the uh, Wednesday slash Thursday early morning for me. Yeah, uh, on Sportsgasmic, we got it pretty covered, so. Yeah, I think we're pretty well tapped out now. If you and me have been going for about three hours recording, um, <laughs> yeah. smashing it out like you know, we started a bit earlier tonight, but it still somehow got almost to three a.m. my time. But you know, a little bit of bang. just 
Just what just just what happens. I mean, Champions League has already started here, or well, everywhere. But yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, no, the time difference. It actually doesn't start here. It just starts there. Yeah, yeah weird, exactly. weird things about the upside down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know, you've had everything from finding out the legalities of uh, name changes in Australia on the other pod to uh, just Tom Petty references on this one. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're free falling. We do what we can. Yeah, we're free falling until about 3 a.m. here. So, you know, until next time, it's beers and stay sportsgasmic. <laughs> beers. <laughs>